Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, this is Jim Peck, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Well, to borrow a phrase from a man I uh, deeply admire, uh, I'd like to pull up a chair. Yeah, yes. And it might be a rocking chair, two octogenarians here. Absolutely. I'll have to get somebody to start. You know, I think we do have one thing in common about our background, and, and I'm, I think, so blessed because of that, that we grew up in black and white radio. There wasn't television, and so we were able to use our memory and imagine our great heroes and what was happening and how it was uh, being described. Don't you feel that made you a better announcer? Probably. Well, in my privileged career, there has been nothing more delicious in any sport than calling a no-hit, no-run game, and I've only had nine. You've had, what, 23? Something. Is it about, is there anything better than calling a no-hitter? No, and the best one is on radio. The biggest reason, and I learned that with Koufax, for instance, he'd be pitching a no-hitter, and I would describe him wiping his brow, drying his hand off, on it, lifting his cap and running his hand through his hair. All of the little minutiae that mean so much mm-hmm. to bring that picture. On television, it's all there. And I remember that really drove the point home, doing the Kershaw no-hitter here. There wasn't anything to say. I mean, I couldn't say he's now mopping his brow because you're looking at him. Right. And when he finally got the last out, the only thing I could say was, he's done it. There was nothing else. Ed Robertson with a reminder that Susan Silver will join us later on in the hour. Susan Silver, one of the original writers of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. We hope you'll stay tuned for that. In the meantime, on the line with us right now is Steve Beverly. Steve Beverly, recently retired professor of broadcast journalism at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, who also did play-by-play for both men's and women's collegiate basketball for 25 years, including 13 years on a national level. We're talking about what goes into making a big call in sports play-by-play, as well as some of Steve's influences as announcer, which include the great Dick Enberg. I'm always fascinated by big calls. You know, not just big calls in basketball, but any sport. And I don't, I don't want to paint with a broad swath, but it seems to me, especially with some of the new generation of broadcasters, it seems like they're trying to make a call so that they get captured on the ESPN highlights that night, that sort of thing, versus doing what's best for the game. And you mentioned Dick Enberg as one of your favorite announcers and, and ones that influenced you. This is coming from a Giants fan, but one of my favorites is still Vince Scully because Vince Scully, whether it was football, whether it was baseball, whether he was doing a national broadcast, whether he was doing a home game for the Dodgers, he had that knack for having the right tone and let the drama play out before him as he's describing it to the people at home and just seemed so natural and effortless at the same time. Vin always knew how to save it for the end Mm -hmm. and for the big play. And he was that way when he did NBC golf, Mm -hmm. which is a quieter sport to do. But particularly, he would, if you had a tournament that was coming down to the final two holes and somebody 
drop in a shot that's eight feet from the hole. He would always know how to save the big stuff for the end because that's when you want the audience to be pumped up. I remember how Ray Scott, who was the great CBS announcer and did so many of the legendary Green Bay Packers games during the Vince Lombardi era, and he was one of these just tremendously less is more type of sportscasters. And I I remember how he would be when Green Bay was trying to drive for a winning touchdown and all of a sudden the crowd's going wild and all he would say, first down, Green Bay. And the whole room would shake in your living room and everywhere else. And you just sensed it happening across the country. And I always said, that if you contrasted him, Ray Scott, to a game show host, it would have been Tom Kennedy because when Tom would say to a contestant in the isolation booth for $100,000, name that tune. Your whole living room was like an earthquake at that point. And it was the similar type of style that Tom would do because – Ray Scott always believed the less you said, the more people could follow the pictures to everything. And he was probably the first sportscaster that I ever knew who knew how to shut up when somebody scored a dramatic winning touchdown. And he would just shut up and let you hear the crowd roar for a whole minute before he would come back in. And Scully had a knack for doing the same thing, letting the crowd speak for themselves. Because, you know, when Kirk Gibson comes off the bench to hit that dramatic home run in the ninth inning of Game 1 of the 88 World Series, you don't need to sell it more than that because the picture is there. So your your job as the announcer is to sort of add to the drama to the extent you can without overselling it. Yeah, uh, Tim Brando is, as far as, of course, Tim and I are friends, and <laughs> Tim's a year younger than I am, so he's not one of the young, <laughs> young lions of announcers, <laughs> but he still has a voice at 65 years old. Tim still has a voice that sounds like he's 35, mm-hmm. but he is the kind that has always been a great communicator to people. I always said, of course, it, we, the story is legendary that Tim was the finalist uh, along with Rolf Vanerska to host Wheel of Fortune daytime uh, when Pat left the daytime show. Mm-hmm. And it, by all rights, and if they had the chance to rewind the tape, Tim would have been the host of the show. Because yeah. Rolf just didn't work out. But but Tim, and uh, in, in, I've had the opportunity to spend time talking to him about what he does, how he prepares, but he is, he is a master of the, the old school variety that don't let the game blow away. And he was a big admirer, he was a big admirer of Vin Scully and of, of uh, in particular, Kurt Gowdy. But he believes and still to this day practices it, that you don't give it away until the end as far as your high-button call on, on a, a game, particularly if you sense, and a broadcaster, you sense if it's coming down to the wire. Mm-hmm. You really do. There's just no way you're not going to have it come down to the wire if you've got two teams who are just literally trading it back into, whether it's football or basketball. And there was one other thing that, that Tim Brando taught me that just absolutely has stayed with me. 
we were talking one day, and I was on his radio show, and it was the day of the NAIA Women's National Championship game, and it was between our own Union University team and Azusa Pacific out there on the coast. And so he was asking me, he said, who have you got on the, on the championship game tonight? And I went something like this, my inflection, because I'm thinking, okay, people who are listening to his broadcast, they, they couldn't care less about these schools. And I said, well, Union and Azusa Pacific. And he stopped me right there and, and was on the air, and he said, never minimize who you're calling. Yeah. He said, I don't care what game you're calling. He said, you call it like it's the Super Bowl mm-hmm. because of the fact, he said, you got to think about two things. One, this means a lot to those people, particularly to those players. Your call means a lot to those players. He said, the second thing, and he said, you always remember this. Somebody's got to do that game. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, if you're not doing it, somebody else will. And I always, particularly after he told me that, I always never undervalued the game I was calling regardless of the level that it was at in college basketball. And in the case of professional sports, Mike Kruko is uh, one of the announcers on Giants games here on the West Coast in the San Francisco Bay Area. One of his go-to observations, like, This past week, as we record this conversation, the Giants had a two-game series with the last-place Arizona Diamondbacks. And there's something like 40 games separating the two teams in the standings. And so on paper, it looks like a mismatch. It doesn't look like a big game. Kruko always says Arizona is a professional team. And when you have a professional team of Major League Baseball players, you cannot overlook the fact that the game is played on the field, not on paper. And so that that's a reminder that the inner drama of any sports is that you don't know what the outcome's going to be regardless of what the teams look like in the standings. Yeah, and you have to think about that regardless. And the one thing from being a national tournament broadcaster for 13 years that I mentioned earlier about making me a better broadcaster because it made me a more neutral broadcaster yeah. is that I was calling the a championship game of the NCAA South Regionals for the women back in 2015. So Union lost the game to Florida Southern in the final minute of the game. But I had to call that game as if, okay, I'm a broadcaster from Mankato, Minnesota. Because it didn't matter that I'm in Union's gym, that I'm a professor at Union. I've got to get, and sometimes some people would accuse me of going overboard to elevate the Union opponent. But this was for a national audience, not just a local audience. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to do that as if I were, you know, and, and for many, many years, you know, you had uh, broadcasters who would call a network game, but then they might be calling games for a city team. But I had to call a neutral broadcast. And, and one of the nicest things that I ever had said, and I had no idea that he was watching that night, but there was a broadcaster who used to call the Miami Heat basketball games. And he called our athletic department unsolicited the next day and told them, he said, I don't know who your broadcaster was, and I've never met him before, but he said, I want you to tell him that that was one of the 
best calls from two standpoints. He said that it was dramatic in that last minute of the game, and he said, and also, he said that there was no sense of him at any time of that game being a homer for Union University, and he said, I just wanted you guys to pass that along to him. And, you know, that made me feel really good as a broadcaster because that's what I had I have always strived to do is not to be a person who just, you, you tune in, Steve, and you're just going to hear him tout the virtues of the school for whom he is broadcasting. And see, there's another thing about that now because how easy it is to get video of games and calls and stuff like that. If I were to be a total homer and I would be knocking the opponent on the air, and there's some bad broadcasters who really do that, uh, that can easily become locker room material yeah. very, very quickly that could fire up that opponent for a succeeding game. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you have to be very, very careful about that. Yeah, and there are many examples. I won't bore you with them, but there are many examples of of journalists who do that on a print level, um, yeah. uh, which goes back to the dearth of good copy editors on papers and in, but that's that's a whole other conversation. But uh, <laughs> uh, Steve Beverly did play-by-play for both men's and women's basketball on the collegiate level for uh, 25 years, including 13 years on a national level. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Steve is also the host of Steve Beverly's TV Classics, weekly two-hour festival of classic shows from the 50s and 60s, which originates from E Plus TV6 in Jackson, Tennessee. What do you have on tap in August and September? Oh, my goodness. We, uh, one of the hardest things about doing the show is uh, it's, it's very easy, particularly with shows that are in public domain. You can find plenty of episodes that and, and with our format where we do typically five or six shows a night, you can find enough episodes to where it's fresh. But what I try to do is to look for those unusual things that the audience may have never seen, such as about you know a few months ago we, we found the special Henry Fonda and the Family that was done back in the early 60s on CBS. And it was hilarious. It was a series of sketches about family life. Henry Fonda acted as the host and narrator, and, and he would introduce the sketches. But Dan Blocker from Bonanza was one of the most hilarious performers on that thing. And you had Paul Lind was on it, and he was a, a father that was out on a, a picnic, and Carol Williams was his, his wife. And all of a sudden... Paul got a splinter in his finger. And Carol Williams says, says, Paul, let me help you get this out. And he says, oh, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, I mean, we look for unusual things like that. Yeah. So one of the things that we have coming up is the original version of Marty. 
that was done in 1953 on Philco Goodyear Playhouse. With Rod Steiger? And it became a classic. Is that the one with Rod Steiger? Yeah, Rod Steiger okay. and, and Nancy Marchand, who was from Lou Grant. Mm-hmm. And, and then a very young Betsy Palmer is in this. For people who only knew Betsy from I've Got a Secret, Betsy did about 50 live dramatic shows on network television uh, in the 50s, in early 60s. She was a go-to actress on the United States Steel Hour. And so she's part of this as well. And this, of course, is the, the original script by Patty Chayefsky that was made into an Oscar-winning movie in 1955 starring Ernest Borgnine. But this was Rod Steiger at a time that very few people really knew who he was. So we have that coming up. And then there are a very few color editions of the Steve Allen Plymouth show that was done. Steve did his live Sunday night show for three years from New York and then moved out to Los Angeles. And uh, the show went to color and Plymouth was the sponsor and they moved it to Monday night. Unfortunately, it was the final year of the show. But there's some great talent and terrific comedy on it. The only person who didn't make the move to the West Coast with them out of his troupe was uh, Tom Poston because Tom continued to do uh, Broadway. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this, you know, we, we look for things like that that are out of the ordinary, but we just recently found, I've been looking for years for this, we just recently found a few episodes of a show that I think I may be the only person in America who remembers. It's 60 years old. It's called Tallahassee 7000. Um... It's a half out. Mathau syndicated show. I bet you're going to tell me who the star was. Walter Mathau. Yes, sir. And I did that. I, <laughs> I did. I did that without cheating. <laughs> there, are, there are two. Congratulations. There are two of us who remember that show. But it is the only weekly series that Walter Mathau ever did. We, yeah. we had him actually on an episode of Suspense, the old live dramatic show that actually started with its roots in radio. Uh, but in 1949, he did an episode of Suspense, which we have had. But uh, this was a show that was set in South Florida. Tallahassee 7000 was actually the phone number. It wasn't set in Tallahassee, Florida. Yeah. It was down in the Miami area. Mm-hmm. But uh, he plays an investigator named Lex Rogers. And I can tell you, he definitely did rise above the scripts with his acting. Yeah. Because... The, the the show just did not it, it it was enough to make Dragnet seem like Shakespearean tragedy. But when you find little gems like that, yeah. and particularly with people who went on to much much larger careers, people seem to enjoy that kind of thing. So those are some of the special things that we have coming up in August and September. Steve Beverly's TV Classic streams several times a week at eplustv6.com eplustv6.com you can follow Steve Beverly on Facebook and on Twitter at Mr. TV Classic Steve Beverly always a joy to talk to you I look forward to our next conversation same here Ed it was a real joy to be with you Susan Silver will join us we come back on TV Confidential buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life but it doesn't have to be and no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California 
that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 415-886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontporchrealtygroup.com, for more information on the services they provide, including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com. Front Porch Realty Group. They'll find the solution that works best for you. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.